crushed it. That was the bed frame. That was not my kneecap. Go to Ben. Kendra, when they say bust a cap, they're not talking about <laughs> your own. And usually you bust one in, in your, your ass. It's true. Your ass or someone else's ass? I'd be lying if I said I hadn't busted a cap in my own ass. Yeah, to each their own. I'm not here to judge. I like to bitch, 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 Welcome to You Say Bitch Like It's a Bad Thing. Llama edition. Because <laughs> that's all we're going to talk about today. Uh, it's no longer a podcast about bitching. It's just a podcast about expressing our love and admiration I, for llamas. I knew I was going to love the experience today, but I did not know until I got there how much I was going to love that Same. experience. I thought I was going to be too afraid of the llamas. I was not. Yeah, when I first brought the idea up to you, you were like, oh. I might be a little nervous. It's because I'm horrified of goats. And these are... They seem kind of like giant goats. They do. But they're not. But they're so much they're... friendlier. Oh. Their little mouths. I know. Their teeth. Their teeth. <laughs> and the sounds they make chomping on the grass. I know. Little hums. Everyone, go out and get yourself a llama. I also really love the one that just, like, sat there the entire time we did yoga and watched us. Yes. <laughs> like is this one gonna move is it gonna and then i think it moved during like shavasana at the yeah. end and i was like oh he's like oh it's boring now now they're all doing what i'm doing i'm getting up and leaving yeah yeah i started this Ugh. yeah all of you are trendsetter i'm a trendsetter you are the trend followers um you all should be llamas not sheep mm. yep call, call that llama clippy <laughs> oh there's llama dirt in my eyeball oh <laughs> <laughs> i like oh we add llama to the beginning of anything you could just have dirt in your eye You're like no i have llama dirt in my eye i think i have llama hair in the back of my throat i was just looking at my nails and i was like ew there's dirt under my nails and as i'm picking it <gasps> Same. out i was like oh that's because i scritched llamas all day it's yeah <laughs> but it was worth it it was it was so fun do you have any news other than how much you would love llamas <sighs> No, nothing compares. I do have news. What do you got? Where should I start? At the beginning. It's a very good place to start. It's not that easy. Um, do, 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 do. Olympics? They're happening. You know where I'm going with Olympics? Probably, but go for it. There's a lot that can be said about the Olympics right now. Bikini bottoms. Have mm. you heard of it? Yes. So the, uh, you all know this by now, I'm positive. The uh, handball team from Norway got in trouble. I guess, was this technically an Olympic game or was it a pre-Olympic game? I think it was a pre, well, pre-Olympic game. Um, they got in trouble because they decided to collectively as a team wear shorts. Mm-hmm. Um, may I just say these t- shorts were still skin toy, skin toy, 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 like a toyer, <laughs> toy shorts. <laughs> Uh, these shorts are still skin tight and, uh, would not pass the fingertip rule. No, they were, like, spandex it, shorts. Like, yes. volleyball spandex. Yes. Yeah. Um, and they got fined for breaking the rules. Because the rules say you can only cover your butts with 10 centimeters, or about 4 inches, of fabric. 
who I I hate rules like that. We did a whole segment on this. Yep. Still hate rules yep. like this. And the response I've seen is exactly the same as it was for volleyball. Well, no one's going to watch it. If they were good, maybe people would care, but otherwise, why would people watch it? And I would be like, A, are you watching men's handball? Yeah. Didn't think so. Yeah. And I, oh, I saw a TikTok that said, um, in their, like, handbook or something, it specifically says it's to make the sport more appealing. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I hate it. And the men, have you seen the picture of them side by side? Mm. The men are wearing dowdy shorts and dowdy tank tops. Of course they are. And the women are basically in underwear. And the thing is, as as we talked about in that episode, like, if women are okay wearing that, yeah. that's totally fine. But the thing is, um, these this team specifically has stated to the association multiple times, they're like, we're not comfortable wearing this. We feel sexualized. Yeah. Teams have had members drop out because they don't feel comfortable wearing it. Yep. And they've done nothing. Of course not. And Why so, would they? And so they went into this tournament specifically knowing that they were going to do this. And they said, you know what? We're going to play by your rules and wear your stupid bikini for the first round and the second round. And on our last game, we're all wearing shorts. And their coach, their team, even their, like, national, the, like, national federation or whatever that oversees them is like, yeah, we fully support that. They're like, we'll yeah. pay that fine. Good. Yeah. It's stupid. And then meanwhile, what's-her-face, sport that I can't remember, another um, athlete just got ridiculed for wearing too little when her bottoms were as much or slightly more than... Yeah, I saw that too. Double standard much? Stupid. Just let athletes play their sport and whatever Mm -hmm. they feel comfortable. As Mm -hmm. long as it's not, like performance enhancing right which it's not it's not it's not also make men's playing speedos okay thanks well and also the fact that they went to the committee and was like we don't feel comfortable we feel sexualized yes that should be enough they were like good that's the point yeah have you read the handbook appealing it's to make this more appealing i hate it I hate it as well. Um, do you have any other sports-related news? I do have while we're here. Sports, re- good sports-related news. This is positive. <gasps> Omg, what positives? I realize that that is against our brand um, because we complain about things. But you know what? Balance is important. It is. It is key. It is very key. Um, have you heard of the Cleveland Indians? I have. Well, you will not be hearing about them for very much longer because they will no longer be the Cleveland Indians. Bye bye bye. They will be the Cleveland Guardians. I like it. I do too. The logo, however. It's rough. It it could use some love. Yeah. Um, but apparently there's a bridge in Cleveland. Okay. That they're going like it's called the Guardian Bridge, I believe. Is that what this is from? I'm looking at an explanation. Yes. Okay. Yes. Also, mm, this the G wrapped around the baseball mimics the grip of a split finger fastball. Does it? Does it, though? Um, I can see where they're going with it, but it wasn't uh, do it very well. No. The G should really wrap around the baseball a little bit more, but that just means that men designed it and they don't know how to wrap around. Well, they should know how to wrap around things. Oh, it's hard not. to find the G spot. Oh, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> bah, 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 bah. No, it's not. Learn female anatomy. Thank you. 
Also, I saw something this weekend that was like, oh man, they should have gone with the Cleveland parents or guardians. (laughs) (laughs) I will never let that go. That's incredible. (laughs) So. Yay. Change. Oh, man. What are all racist teams going to change their names now? Yes. Fucking hope so. Yes, they will. Good. It does feel good to see more than just one team do it now. Yes. I agree. And I hope it continues. Same. To happen with things that aren't even baseball teams. Same. Let's change everything. Let's change everything. (laughs) I agree. Um, Speaking of baseball. Yes. I went to a baseball game yesterday. Yes. And I forgot how much I hate, one, large groups of people, but primarily large groups of white men. So we're at this baseball game and we're walking around a like very crowded, very main walking space. I Mm -hmm. think it was even like an intersection-ish area. And there was just a group of seven to ten, probably thirty-ish-year-old white men standing in a circle, and not like a like a close, tight, like middle school circle. Yeah, like the circle is seven to ten feet wide. I hate it. Just taking up space, being assholes about it. Man spreading. Yep. I Doesn't just happen on the bus. So mad. I was so mad. This is very unlike me. Uh, as we were walking by them, I was talking to my husband and I was like, people who do that? And I kind of gestured. I was like, they're the worst. And my husband didn't hear me because it was loud in there. Yeah. So I kept saying it and raising my voice as they are right there. And I now realized what I'm going to do from here on out. I'm going to start walking through their circle. Do it. Yell Red Rover and just plow through. And then when they're like, excuse me, that's rude, I'm going to be like, no, you are rude. Yeah. You standing in the circle and taking up so much space in this pedestrian concourse is rude. I hate everything about that. I love everything about how you were planning to approach it in the future. Thank you. But I hate everything about the fact that people do that. Sorry. I forgot. Like, I had forgotten about that part of society. It's the worst. Yeah. Um, Also, one more bit of... I don't know if news is the right word, but thing that I remembered while at the baseball game yesterday yeah. when I had to pee. Um, you know how we tell women when you pee in a public place, you should, like, squat and yeah. not sit on the toilet? Yes. False. Uh, pelvic floor therapists, doctors, whatever, yeah. um, are coming out and saying, you shouldn't be doing that because... Your pelvic floor doesn't relax all the way when you squat. Your pelvic floor, there's this really important thing that, you know, when you squat, you don't want to piss yourself. Yes. Um, Wait, you don't? All the mothers out there are oh, like, Oh, no. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> uh, so ideally, in an ideal world, you don't want to piss yourself when you squat. And so when you do that half squat to, like, hover over the toilet, your pelvic floor isn't fully releasing. And that's a very important part of peeing healthily. And so you should sit. And there's really not, like, you're not putting your vulva on the seat. Right. Listen, if you're putting your vulva on the seat, you're doing it wrong. You're, please, we have some questions. Please stop. Um, and so the doctor I watched was like, you're putting the back of your thighs and mm-hmm. part of your butt on the seat. Yeah. And uh, seats are made to not hold, like, they're not porous. So all the germs pretty much die between person person. Yes. Anyway, so... She's like, sit on the toilet, relax your pelvic floor muscles, 
pee. That's the news I needed to hear. I, isn't it? Your quads will thank you as well. Uh, yeah. yeah. Also, same. for all of you campers or people who go abroad to squat potties, if you do a deep squat, once you reach the bottom of your squat, your pelvic floor muscles release. So it is safe to pee from a fully squatted position. Interesting. Yeah. What if they make giant squatty potties? If you still don't want to touch the seat, like giant squatty potties that you like climb up into and like yeah i don't know hold on to something put the germs on your hands there are gloves oh then yes perfect (laughs) also don't squat on a toilet because toilets this is a horrifying fact so so sorry uh toilets are not made to hold the weight of your body like that and it is very possible that if you like squat with one foot on each side of the toilet seat the toilet can crack (gasps) and uh it's likely that you will fall and the sharp edge of the cracked porcelain will likely cut the giant vein artery whatever that (gasps) runs on the inside of your thigh and you'll probably die so don't use the toilet as a squatty potty be afraid Uh, when you use the bathroom (laughs) i really hope i never have to be in a situation now where like I have to lock myself in the bathroom for safety purposes right. and I can't let anyone know I'm in there. So I would stand on the. And I think. Can you stand on the tank? I Well, probably. You can probably stand near the back. Okay. Where it's not like the edges of the bowl. It's a little more solid, okay. you know. So I think you can still do that for safety purposes. Do you know? oh. But don't like squat to pee. That would be the worst. <laughs> if you're in there trying to hide from someone and the toilet cracks. And you just there's off a, yourself. There's like a geyser of water coming up from the floor. The axe martyr's like, well, I see my job is done. <laughs> yeah. My job's done here. I've still got like five minutes to spare. What can I do? <laughs> oh. Yeah, uh, join me next week for more fun pee facts and terrifying <laughs> toilet Reasons stories. you're not going to want to go to the bathroom. Part two. <laughs> oh, uh, no. Well, that's all I got. That's, well, I'm trying you know, to keep you safe while you pee, I'm, guys. Y'all, very important. I hate everything about that. <laughs> Kendra's like, I'm never peeing again. I'm not. I'm just going to hold. I'm going to get a, a... A catheter? Yes. I was going to say a colostomy bag, but that's... That's different, but also... That is different, but also the same. Yeah. What about you? <sighs> Any more news from the Kendra front? Mm. No, not really. Same old, same old. Same, 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 same. Um, how are you doing? I'm good. You're good. I'm really good. Yay. Um, I think we can do two of the same words. I actually changed mine very slightly. I cheated. I know Kendra's mad. We had a plan. I know. And I went rogue. <laughs> no, that's not what this podcast is about. It's very un- We have outlines <laughs> that we may or may not review beforehand. It's very unlike me to go off plan. I know. Who are I'm you? Sorry. I, I don't even, I don't know who you, no more llamas for you. No! If this is what you turn into, I don't like the new Carissa. I need a therapist. I'm sorry. Might I suggest a herd of llamas? I mean, I have never felt better. Because that's one of my words. Wait, 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 wait. Llamas and yoga. Because we went, I don't know if you could tell from, <laughs> I don't think we ever explicitly said what we did. We didn't. Um, but this morning, we drove about an hour uh, away from the town where we live and we did yoga with llamas and it was 
magical. Everything I wanted it to be and then some. The llamas were so sweet. Yeah. I did very minimal yoga. Same. <laughs> Which was great. But the yoga that I did do was... It was phenomenal. Yeah. And I loved our yogi. She was great. Oh, she was very good. She was... I loved her a lot. But we got to play with the... Like, pet the llamas and feed the llamas treats and give the llamas hugs. Hug them. Yeah. That might have been my favorite part. I was giving one scratches and then it tried to use me as a scratching pose. It was the best. And then it either scratched its face on me or wiped snot. I'm not going to question it. Llama mouths are weird. It trusted you. Oh. That's what it was. It trusted you. I'll take it. I'm surprised we didn't try to smuggle one. I feel like the only ones we would have been able to smuggle were the babies, and that one baby llama was That's not true. having any interaction. Although I do think What's-Her-Face that kept trying to escape mm. through the fence probably would have come with us. That no was questions asked. incredible to watch. Every once in a while, we'd turn around and be like, is anyone else seeing this llama <laughs> trying to escape? just watching the llama escape. As <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you see they're handled by like 4-H yeah. students. Um, and you just see one of them tear across the pasture, like, shit, 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 shit. <laughs> Don't let her go. That's what's her name. The llama is, like, halfway through the fence. <laughs> or you just, you're doing yoga and you just hear the, like, rope snap. Yeah. <laughs> or you hear them pee behind you. Yeah. That was, we almost set up camp in their, like, bathroom area. We did. We did. Thankfully, we were advised to move forward about three feet. <laughs> Otherwise, it would have been a wet experience. There really should be a sign. There should be. Or right, like, it's not on us. Curtains for privacy. Yeah. Something. Yeah, because I definitely watched them pee because their pee it's stance is quite entertaining. Hilarious. <laughs> so sorry, llamas. Oh, it was so good. So, yeah. Ugh, highly suggest <sighs> everyone. I, 12 out of 10 yeah. would suggest yoga with llamas. Um, so, yeah, those are my two, or two of mine. <laughs> Those are my two. <laughs> Those are my two. Cut it down. That's it. Um, busy. Mm-hmm. Um, satisfied? Is that weird? Not like, Ooh. not like, <laughs> unfortunately, so not sorry. sexually satisfied. <laughs> but like, it was a very satisfying week. Like, good. I felt good and competent and all that fun stuff. Ugh. I mean, Those are the weeks. I know. Um, um, and this one I'm going to hyphenate it as actually two separate words, but I'm going to hyphenate it. Uh, beer darts. Beer darts. I forgot that was within this past week. That was week. within this past week. That we was... played beer darts for the first. I played it for the first time. I don't know if it was the first time for you playing. It, I've but it was played, yeah. terrifying. And we came away with zero casualties. We did. I've also never chugged a beer before. Same. I and never so chugged a beer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I hadn't either. So that was enlightening, I think, I for both of us. Man, we really missed out on our college days. We did. You're welcome, mom and dad. Yeah. <laughs> your 31-year-old now. daughters are now finally <laughs> learning how to chug beers. Can't wait till you go out of town so we can throw a house party. <laughs> I'll order the keg. Keg stands. Have you ever done a keg stand? No. I haven't can either. And I was like, watch out. I have antique lights in my house. Yeah. You better be careful. I would say we could do it at my parents' house, but I would get in so much trouble. <laughs> As a 31-year-old, I would get in so much trouble. We would clean so well. We would. would. never know. We would. Except they'd be like, why is this house cleaner than when we left? Yeah. <laughs> we would, no, knowing you and I, we would take pictures. Yes. So we and know exactly how clean to make it. Yep. And where everything else, where everything was. Yep. 
Because we'd have to remove anything breakable. Right. We don't trust our friends. No. Sorry, guys. Or or ourselves, really. <laughs> I don't know. No, no. I can't speak for you, but no, we also don't trust our friends. So yeah, those are my five words. Nice. How about you? Mine are... Welcome to the opposite end of the spectrum. Neglected. <laughs> I thought those were your words. Welcome to the opposite end of the spectrum. And You're I was like, like, you can't count. A, that's too many. <laughs> no. B, I'm going to need some elaboration. <laughs> no. No. My first word is neglected. No. Um, myself, my house, everything. Just neglected. Uh, overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And then yoga with llamas. Nice. <laughs> Three words. <laughs> So the first, the first bulk of my um, week was not great, but today, last night and today was, well, last night sans giant white man circles. Right. Um, and today has been phenomenal. I know. We got Godfather's pizza. Oh, so good. And coffee from our favorite coffee place. I miss yeah, one of our favorite coffee places. I feel like I can't pigeonhole our favorite coffee place. It might be. It's mine. It's a very nostalgic coffee place for me. It's so good. That's where I had my first coffee. Their coffee. Oh, look at you. I had a macadamia nut frozen mocha. It was my favorite coffee from there in high school. And their coffee is always the perfect temperature. It's so good. (sighs) Yeah. Anyway, how are you feeling today? Um... trying to make a llama pun and i can't do it i'm no kendra oh i got one i'm no kendra what how are you today amazing same (laughs) (laughs) i really am amazing same i haven't been this happy in a very long time pretend like that's not sad (laughs) you know what i say to that llama stay Oh, God. That's how we ended the practice today. She was like, make llama hands. (laughs) I almost started crying. Lamaste. Lamaste. Oh, amazing. 10,000 out of 10 go do llama yoga. We should do, do you know how they have like llamas classes? We should do a llamas class. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, if I'm ever pregnant, I'm going to need you to figure out a way to get me a llama in that birthing room. Done cool done can you imagine you're in the birthing room yes i feel like it's got i'm gonna close my eyes and i'm gonna you're in the birthing room you're in a lot of pain yes um you want to wring your husband's neck because he made you he put you in this position and also he's probably being kind of a dick about it because he doesn't understand he's like i got kicked in the balls once how do you know those are the type of guys that i'm attracted to (laughs) i know i know sorry is this too real A a little bit yeah I'm trying better to not be attracted to those that, type of you people. You feel but. that contraction and you're like, mm, and there's a llama over there that's... <laughs> that it's a call and response between the, lo- the llama. The llama over there is just like, mm. <laughs> And it just soothes your soul a little it bit. It would. It would. If I could, you know, hug the llama's neck instead of wringing my husband's neck. That's true. Except you'd probably get the one llama that's like, no. <laughs> Dodge. When the lady was trying to wrangle the baby. Yes! To be able to hold, and it's just running in circles <laughs> around the pen. Also, when the she field. finally passed it off to someone to hold, <laughs> it's just kicking and flailing. That's so mad. I was like, I relate. Uh, Can relate. Amazing. Oh, it was such a good day. 
Speaking of kicking and screaming. Oh, no. You ready to bitch? Yes. So, in true llama form, I have not practiced this, bitch. It's just how I'm going to respond to everything from here on out. (laughs) But it is time for the male default. A part two. Whoop, whoop. Workplace edition. So, last time I talked about car safety and how Kendra and I are never riding in cars again unless it is to go visit llamas for yoga because they are made for men and female crash test dummies are shams. Yeah. Um, And next time, as I mentioned before, I'm planning to dive into how the male default affects the medical world. But today, we are talking about the male default in the workplace. Um, I do want to touch on one thing before we get too far into this. Um... I realized that this past segment and this segment and the following segment are all very, like, male-female focused. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to leave out um, trans folk or non-binary individuals. Um, And I am going to be completely candid when I say I'm not entirely sure what language to use to make that happen. Because um, some of these things... Well, let me start by saying, when I say things in this world were made for men, I obviously mean cis men. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is going to obviously affect women, but it is also obviously, it's obviously going to affect cis women, but it's also obviously going to affect trans individuals as well as non-binary individuals. Some of it, indi- uh, some of it affects some non-binary individuals and not all of them. Some affects trans women and not trans men. Some of it affects trans men and not trans women. It's a very individual sort of thing, and I'm trying to figure out how to phrase things properly, and I probably will not do that, and so I very much apologize. Um, but know that at the heart of this, uh, the problem is that this world is made for cis men, and therefore leaves the rest of us out. And that's a problem. And we're gonna talk about it. Also, before we go too far, I have to give a huge shout-out to Caroline... Uh, Criado Perez, who I did plug slightly in my last segment, um, and her book, Invisible Women, Exposing Data Bias in a World Designed for Men. So when I did my last segment, I went into it intentionally wanting to talk about how car safety features were made for men. I already knew that this was an issue that existed. Um, I had a baseline knowledge, just needed to do some extra research. But when I started my research, the very first article I came across was a segment from an article by The Guardian that was basically an edited excerpt of this book. Um, And reading it was the first time I heard about a lot of things. Most of the things we're going to talk about today. Some of the stuff we'll talk about next time. Um, So I bought her book and I've been reading it and it is incredible. It is very upsetting. Oh, I can imagine. If you ever want to feel the opposite of how you would feel after Lama Yoga. Oh, no! If you want to be mad, this is the book to read, but it is very good. It covers a whole lot of stuff I'm not even going to touch on, so I highly recommend reading it. Um, also, I gotta plug her Instagram. She has a lot of really cool facts and stats that she'll post. Um, and then every week or so, she does a shout-out for a product that is designed specifically for female bodies Mm. instead of just being a smaller version of men's. So, like, the only one I can remember off the top of my head is a shoe company that makes, like, athletic shoes specifically for women's feet instead of just assuming that they're smaller men's shoes. Oh. So, it's cool. Check it out. Check it out. 
Anyway, to the topic at hand, as I said, we are going to talk about male-designed biases, aka the male default, and how everything in this world, in the workplace, is made for men, and it affects women. Mm-hmm. It affects non-cis men. Yeah. Everyone who's not a cis male. Most of us. <laughs> Literally the majority of people on this planet. Yeah. Um, so let's start off gently, okay? Before we jump before we jump into the deep end about how the workplace made for men uh, is literally killing women, let's start by dipping our toes in and talk about something that's not life-threatening, uh, but it's still a major inconvenience. Do you know where I'm going? I might have an idea. Uh, this one, do you want to guess or... Is it the temperature that offices are held at? Look at you! First-hand experience with that bad boy. Yeah, uh, Kendra and I are very familiar with this. Mm-hmm. I need water real quick. To llama, llama dirt in my lung. <laughs> I've llama dirt in my llama lung. <laughs> in my lung. A llama llama ding dong. <laughs> oh, no. What have we done? We've gone off the deep end. What we Remember, we were dipping, we're our, dipping toes our toes in? No, we're going off no, the deep no. end. Llamas. Uh, yes. So Kendra and I are both very familiar with this. Mm-hmm. The frigid plight of being a female in an office setting. Uh, so for many women, Kendra and I, obviously included, office temperatures feel freezing. Are you an office sweater or an office blanket kind of gal? Yes. Yeah. I have both. I have a blanket at my desk and I usually, if I, I don't keep like a cardigan at my desk, okay. but I will always dress in layers. Yes. And I even yesterday, uh, it was a high 80s, low 90s. It felt like 100 at one point yesterday. I wore jeans, full jeans to the ground, a T-shirt with a thick cardigan over it. And I sweated going from my car to the office door. And then I walked in and was fine. Yep. Yes. I would always do the same. I hate it because I can't I can't dress cute. Yep. In the summer. And, like, all the professional, when I was in an office that was business casual, all the professional dresses are, like, tank top style. Mm-hmm. But you can never do that because it's freezing. Yep. I can't remember if I had a sweater or a sweatshirt. Um, I'd never had a blanket, but a lot of my coworkers did. Mm-hmm. But I have an office heater. Oh. I have one of those personal heaters, and I get so cold at my desk. I keep it under my chair. I get, pro tip, one of those little foot uh stampy power things that you they're for christmas trees oh that's very smart so then i don't have to bend down to turn it on i just stamp it with my foot that is very smart yeah i don't know if we can have heaters at our i didn't ask i just did it did that's fair and no one ever told me i couldn't i also have a standing desk so Mm. i that might be a little more a little less effective for me, but yeah, I got it originally because I worked in a bu- in an old building. This is not entirely related to this. I worked in an old building um, that just didn't have good insulation. Yeah, and I would literally wear gloves. Yeah, to work. Uh, the marketing department where I work is right next to a door yeah. where people go in and out, yes. and there are two doors, but still, it's you can feel the the breeze come in. So it doesn't matter what time of year it is. It's always cold. Yep. I hate it. Anytime we look, we would get uh, company apparel. I yeah. I was always buying sweaters, sweatshirts, jackets. 
I don't think I have any. The men, the men got to buy like polos. Yep. I don't think I have any company apparel that is shorter than a three quarter length. Yeah. Unless it was like specifically for like a wellness challenge or right. like the volleyball team got tank tops, but we were outside. Right. So. Exactly. And yes, Kendra and I aren't weird. This is normal. Mm-hmm. Every office I've worked in, women have blankets and or sweatshirts and or heaters. Um, we have one woman who wears fingerless gloves. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> I have I totally get it. considered it. It's yeah. cold. Now, you may be surprised to find out that there is actually a formula. They used science to figure out what the temperature should be in an office. Uh, but you won't be surprised to find out that it was created to find the ideal temperature for a man. Mm-hmm. This formula was developed in the 1960s. It was based around the metabolic resting rate of the average man in an office. A recent Dutch study found that, shocker, the average uh, metabolic rate of the average adult female performing light office work is significantly lower than that of a man. What? I know. I am shocked. Shocked and appalled. I mean, one of those statements was true. (laughs) And what does this mean? This means that the standard office temperature is way too low for women. The formula may overestimate the female metabolic rate by as much as 35%, which means the average office is at least five degrees too cold for women. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean? Well, as we mentioned, uh, women wearing blankets and sweatshirts and snuggies in a business professional setting while men are walking around in polos, t-shirts, and sometimes shorts, depending on your office policy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes us super uncomfortable, mm-hmm. which is problematic. There have been times where I have walked down the hall to a conference room wrapped in a blanket. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I'm not even, like, remotely ashamed anymore. I used to be like, can I bring my blanket right. to the conference room? And now I'm like, nope, it's happening. I also think it's always weird because it makes us look unprofessional. Yeah. Like, work in a business place that's very... You have to be business casual and professional all the time. Yeah. Okay, there well are then, clients that come in. Right? Okay, well then, keep the office at a regular temperature. Mm-hmm. Please and thank you. Sorry, your men are sweaty. Yeah. Um, and also, guys, it leads to lower productivity for women. Shocker, I have trouble working when all I can think about is how fucking cold I am. <laughs> when we spend half an hour talking to our coworkers about how cold it is. Not a lot gets done. When I'm overthinking whether or not I've been running my heater for too long. Yeah. Yeah. I hate it. I agree. Normalize male sweating. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I just want to wear a t-shirt in an office. Although I sweat regardless. So... Oh, cold sweat is the worst. I just, I sweat. That's fine. Sweating is a normal bodily human function. I know. Metabolism. That's what my doctor told me. And that's what I'm, (laughs) that's what my doctor told me, like, as I was going through puberty. And so I just assume (laughs) that continues throughout my adult life. So. Your doctor's listening and is like, um, hey, you need to come see me. That's a serious. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, did I say metabolism? I actually meant that you. Yeah, I was fine when you were 13. (laughs) You're 31. You're 31 and it is not okay. You should not be sweating that much anymore. Uh, also, here's a therapist. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, 
Now, Kendra, yes. <laughs> I wish I could say that all of the issues that face women in the workforce uh, were this lighthearted. <laughs> I don't. I don't. <laughs> They're not. They're not. I want to go back to the llamas. <laughs> no. So sorry. Um, this is really the only one I found that wasn't like a serious health concern, so... <laughs> This is going to make me not want to go back to work. No, so here's the good news. Most of office work is fine, other than the fact that we're freezing. Okay. Um, so you and I won't relate to a lot of other things. But sitting on a computer for more than 10 hours <laughs> is going to kill you. <laughs> I mean... I mean, it could. it could. Get up and stretch your legs. Do some light cardio or lunges at your desk. I've seriously considered either bringing a foam roller to work. Oh, that's genius. Because I have, like... Uh, a half wall. Yeah. So I can hide behind the half wall and I can like that's genius. Roll my my back and my shoulders out without anyone seeing. Genius. I've thought about it. Genius. Genius. So let's start by talking about male dominated fields. Let's. Because we're, shocker. We're both very familiar with those. I know. <laughs> I hate it. Uh, shocker. Things in male dominated fields are made for men. What? And that affects the women that decide to go into these male-dominated fields. Wait, 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 wait. I know. All logic thrown out the window. God. You are so smart. I know. Did you know that? I did. Thank you. <laughs> Surprising, because I'm not a man. <laughs> so let's start with this one. Construction. Okay. Yep. Uh, it is no... No surprise, no news that uh, construction is a male-dominated field. However, plenty of women work in construction. It is very much a field that women can work in, just like literally any other field. Mm -hmm. Except male porn, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Sorry. You're not wrong. I didn't want anyone to write in and be like, actually. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> so construction is a male-dominated field, but plenty of women work in construction, and a lot of them are getting injured, and surprisingly, not surprisingly, they're getting injured at higher rates than men. So, shocker, there's very little data surrounding these in- uh, injuries. What? I know. They're not taking the time to record or report any of these. They're not. Weird. Are really studying it. It's like they don't give a shit. Weird. Um, studies have been done. Just a couple. Um, like literally, I wasn't being sarcastic. Just a couple studies have been conducted, and they have found that women do have higher rates of sprains, strains, and nerve conditions, uh, specifically in their wrists and forearms, than men. Hmm. It's not just because men condition them from drinking it. <laughs> Um, but sadly, we don't have enough conclusive evidence to prove a cause. But many experts believe, and I agree, it is at least to some degree due to the fact that standard construction equipment is designed for men. That makes sense. And no one really questions it. No Mm -hmm. one really goes, why is a hammer grip this width? Why does it weigh this much? Mm -hmm. But as we mentioned last time, women's bodies are built differently than men. Typically, women have slightly shorter hands, as we mentioned last week. Yep. Lower grip strength. This is fascinating. On average, women have 41% lower grip strength 
than men. Oh. And unlike body strength, which can be trained to be equal, grip strength can't. Yeah, that's tricky. Even highly trained females rarely surpass 50% of the grip strength of an untrained man. Wow. It's so weird. Uh, I also read a fun fact that a 25-year-old fit woman will likely have less grip strength than that of an average 65 or 75-year-old man. What? We just don't have it. I don't know why. I assume it has something to do with, like, most of men's... Men have more muscle mass in their upper body, and so I assume it's the same in their hands. Huh. I know. I've never been so aware of my weak, weak hands. I know. Is it because they grab boobs more often? Probably. And they're Maybe not even more often. I mean, I could... I grab my boobs I all grab, the time. I grab my boobs quite a bit. Are you looking for something? Yes! Grab those boobs. I have no idea. I have no idea biologically why that would be. Uh, my doctor who told me that uh, my metabolism, <laughs> metabolism is causing the sweating. Uh, if you could reach out and let us know why women just don't have the grip strength that men do. Men do. That'd be great. Thank you. And before you guys say it, it's not because men are biologically made to be hunters. You made that up in your brain. Sorry. So our grip strength is just for, I don't fucking know why, significantly less than men's. Um, And the standard hand tools, like wrenches, hammers, whatever, they're perfect for a man's hand, but they don't take into account the fact that women's hands are smaller and that they have less grip strength. Mm -hmm. Even things like bricks. Mm -hmm. A lot of men can palm a brick no problem single-handedly women cannot every time i've tried to throw a brick through a window i've had to do two hands <laughs> yeah <laughs> granny shot exactly. it exactly um just kidding i've never thrown a brick through a window good cover good cover <laughs> um and all of these things especially when used frequently used repeatedly cause injury mm-hmm. but we're not doing anything about it and it, when people bring this up they're like well that's just the size why? Why? It doesn't have to be. No. There's no reason other than it was made for a man and we've always done it this way. Yeah. Just fix it. Yeah. Um, another huge one. PPE. Yep. Respirators. Fall protection harnesses. Mm-hmm. Safety shoes. Gloves. Coveralls. Hard hats. Safety goggles are almost always too large for women, which can pose serious risks. If your safety goggles are too large, dust, debris... Shit's gonna llama get dirt. In there. Llama dirt. Llama dirt could get in there. Llama hair. <sighs> llama spit. No one wants that. Male spit. <laughs> Super dangerous. Um, respirators is a big one. Um, they have to. They're supposed to like fit closely to your face to keep the dust and the particles and the chemicals out. Well, it's made for a man's face. Mm-hmm. It doesn't fit properly. Um, Multiple surveys show that on average, around 60% of women in construction report that their PPE sometimes or significantly hampers their work. Of course. And I remember, so we have to do, like, workplace safety Mm, training. Yes. And even those of us not in the field have to do it. it. And so I have watched more PPE training videos than I care to admit. Um, And they, I remember very specifically all of them saying, if they don't fit properly, talk to your supervisor or talk to whatever how many times have women gone up to their supervisor and been like hey this doesn't fit and they're like well that's what we have i read a story about a woman who mentioned it to her manager and mentioned it or her supervisor mentioned it multiple times multiple times it took them over two years 
to get her equipment that fits. And it's, like, I can see people being like, well, it's uncomfortable and, like, a little awkward, but is it a big deal? Uh, loose gloves mm-hmm. can get caught in equipment. Yep. Loose coveralls can get caught in equipment. Loose gloves can make it hard to climb ladders, unsafe to climb ladders. Yep. Shoes, tripping hazard, make it hard to climb ladders. Um, fucking fall protection harnesses. Yeah. Those should be... Yeah, you're either going to slip out or something that's very common. We'll talk about this more um, next week on with medical because, spoiler alert, we talk about PPE there as well. Um, a lot of times if equipment doesn't fit properly, women will have to over-tighten it. Mm-hmm. And that can also cause injury. Yep. Um, yeah. So it's a problem. Speaking of PPE, emergency services... This is a huge one. Um, A 2017 TCU report found that ill-fitting PPE was worst in emergency services. So, like, EMS, firefighters, cops. Only 5% of women in emergency services said that their PPE never hampered their work. And those 5% were probably lying. (laughs) Yeah. So, let's start with firefighters. It is no surprise that a field that until fairly recently referred to all professionals as firemen, the gear has been designed specifically for the male body. Mm-hmm. It has also only been tested on the male body. Are there fire test dummies? God, I wish. <laughs> How mad would you be if the fire test dummies were more feminine than the fire were... test dummies? <laughs> so mad. So mad. There's, like, four different female options to the, like, one, maybe, like, one and a half male options. Uh, Various studies have been done to investigate the effects of bulky firefighting gear on the movement of male firefighters. But little to no research has considered the measurements and range of motion for females. Female firefighters are at 33% greater risk of than their male counterparts. What?! Female firefighters are at 33% greater risk of injury than their male counterparts, and evidence shows that most of this is due to ill-fitting gear. Um, Most of the gear is too big, duh, Mm -hmm. and even when there is female-sized gear out there, much like crash test dummies, it's just a scaled-down version of the men's gear, which doesn't necessarily solve all the fit issues. Um, so as we know, proportions like hip to waist ratio are often very different between men and women, and this can significantly affect the fit. There's a woman named Meredith McQuarrie who did a study on 10 men, 10 men and six women who were career firefighters from the Tallahassee Fire Department. Uh, the study's really cool. She measured their range of motion in a 3D body scanner, and she talked to them afterwards as well about how they felt their gear, um, affected them in various tests. The main issue reported by men was the tightness in their crotch. Oh, my dick was too big? My massive dong <laughs> got in the way? Do you have, like, magnum pants magnum that I could wear? Pants. Oh my god, of course. It's called latex. It's <laughs> elastic. Do you have any complaints? Oh, only that my, my dick is too big. My dick is too big. <laughs> Meredith was like, well, we'd like to keep it in your pants so you don't trip over it. You're like, that's not what I heard. <laughs> that's not what your wife said. <laughs> oh, we go for coffee every Thursday. <laughs> I also know you last 30 seconds. <laughs> I love Meredith. It's the made-up version of Meredith I have in my She's the best. 
these issues. Shockingly, was not that the crotch was too tight. What? Their peens were not too small. Too big. <laughs> too big. Um, almost all women, on the other hand, reported issues with the upper body portions of their gear and were more likely to say that the suits were too big. Okay. Female firefighters self-report issues with the fit of their gear four times more than men. Okay. And this can cause serious risks and issues. Um, many women report not being able to step onto their apparatus. I assume being like cherry pickers, mm -hmm. ladders, even the truck, um, because their pants hang too low. Okay. Yep. Do your pants hang low? Do they wallow to and fro? Pants on the ground. Pants on the ground. Uh, often the collars or sleeve cuffs are too wide. Which means that they have exposed skin mm -hmm. around their necks, which, shocker, is problematic when you're running into burning buildings. Yeah. Oh, just casual neck burns. Mm. No big deal. Mm, my fave. No big deal. Um, and then potentially the biggest one, yes, somehow bigger than neck burns, uh, limited or restricted no mobility is actually very dangerous. One, not only does it mean they can't properly do their job, but it also means that these women have to work harder and exert themselves more physically than their male counterparts. And, um, shocker, fighting a fire is a very physically demanding environment. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever run into a burning building, but it's pretty physically demanding in there. No, I haven't. Have you? Once or twice. Okay. <laughs> um, and one of the biggest risks to firefighters on the scene is overexertion and heart attacks from overexertion. And so having restricted mobility, having to work harder to do your job mm -hmm. puts you at a higher risk for overexertion, heart attacks, and on-duty death. Right. Problematic. <sighs> um, law enforcement. Similar, similar yeah. dealio. Yep. Um, the police force, at least in the U.S., is very male-dominated. Um, less than 13% of full-time officers in the U.S. are female. So again, unsurprisingly, the traditional law enforcement PPE and gear has been designed specifically for the male body. This affects things like boots. They're often too ill-fitting or heavy, um, which can cause pressure on the Achilles tendon, which is not good. No. Um, jackets. If they are too large, they can make it more difficult for officers to reach their guns, their handcuffs, their batons, anything on their belt. Yeah. Um, and the primary culprits, or the most dangerous culprits, body armor, stab vests, and high-vis gear. All pretty necessary. Right. And BD. Yeah. Uh, the biggest flaw, there's no space for your boobs. That, yeah, that makes sense. I had never thought about I that. I hadn't either. So this often leads to poor fit, which um, we will get to in a second. Um, but also, many of the women on their jobs are spending their days just plain uncomfortable. One, how uncomfortable is it to wear a sports bra? Yeah. I'm just realizing I've been wearing this thing longer than I wanted to today. Yep. Sorry. Sorry, ladies. Um, it's okay. I know. Um, and it's not just about comfort, obvi, although you still shouldn't be forced to be uncomfortable doing your job. But these design flaws have often fatal consequences. Mm -hmm. So as I mentioned, the fit is not good. What happens when something designed with boob... Uh, what happens when you wear a shirt or something that's not designed to fit with boobs and you have boobs? <laughs> One, it rides up, mm -hmm. leaving the torso exposed and vulnerable to injury or attack. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever been stabbed in the lower torso, but it's not good. Have you been stabbed in the lower torso? No, but I'm smart enough to know. Okay. It's not good. I was like, was that before or after you ran into the burning building? It was at the exact same time. Got it. Got it. I was it. stabbed by the burning building. They should make, how cool would it be for women to have, like, custom made. Right. Like, SWAT gear with, like, boobs. So I'm... you can just kind of stick them in. Stick them in. <laughs> You know what I mean. You know what? The gear should be, it should just have a cutout where your boobs go. And then it just has swappable boob coverage. Um, another issue you can have is gaping near the pits and chest. Mm-hmm. Which again, don't know if you've ever been stabbed there. Direct line to the lungs and heart. Kind of problematic. Yeah. Low key problematic. Even the comfortability factor can be a major issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, many ballistics resistance vests are so uncomfortable that women have had to make sacrifices to their health or safety in order to do their job. Mm-hmm. I read a story from 1997 where a British police officer had to use a hydraulic battering ram to bust down a door, normal part of their job. Um, it was too difficult for her to use the battering ram while wearing her body armor. I assume it, like, compressed her chest too much. She couldn't breathe. Yeah. Or potentially had uh, restricted movement. So she made the choice to take it off so she could do her job oh, and use the battering ram. that's dangerous. And while her armor was off, she was stabbed. Oh, my gosh. And she died. Oh, my gosh. Um, another female police officer uh, revealed that she had had breast reduction surgery because of the health effects she was experiencing from having to wear her body armor. Was that covered uh, by the I police station? highly doubt it. Should have been. After that case was reported, 700 officers in the same force came forward to complain about their standard issue protective vests. <sighs> and a number of them also complained about being bruised by their tactical belts. Because hips. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and a lot of those women admitted that they've had to have physiotherapy because of the way their stab vests sit on their chest. It is literally ruining their bodies. Oh my gosh. I hate it. Yes. Ugh. Um, now a tiny bit of good news. Um, companies are starting to make adjustments to police gear. Um, some are offering modifications to existing vests that add more coverage to exposed areas, um, some are making vests with more points of adjustment, so they're oh, more customizable. Um, and there are a couple that are coming out with vests with various cup sizes. Oh, nice! They listen to me. I know! Look at that! Good job, guys! Although, what, like, 90% of women don't wear properly fitting bras, so how I... are you going to find a properly fitting vest? Fair. vest. Ballistic booby vest. Victoria's Secret Service. Oh! <laughs> I think we just found our business. There it is. We'll add it to 90s nuptials, Victoria's Secret Service. Yeah. We'll add it to the list. Um, And I believe I've read, this is not silver lining, that it's still pretty hit or miss on whether um, these are being offered or covered by police forces. And I've also seen stories where women are being fined or reprimanded for wearing their own tactical gear. For finding properly fitting tactical gear, Ugh, but that wasn't issued by the... Stupid. Yeah. Stupid. Yeah. You know, we don't know. Our, our pants are a little tight. My, my dick gets a little tight in my pants sometimes. <laughs> you can't... 
You can't not breathe when your ballistics vest is on? Well, my dick gets tight in my pants. Sometimes when I get a half jump, <laughs> when I pull my gun out. <laughs> oh, God, that's so accurate. <laughs> it's uncomfortable, a little bit. <sighs> um, this, unfortunately, doesn't get much better when we look at female-dominated fields. Oh, great. In fact, it often gets worse. No. So these cases are a little different. It's not necessarily that PPE or equipment or environments have been designed for men, but it's that they haven't been designed or thought of at all. Um, showing that when a task doesn't revolve around a man, it often gets forgotten or ignored. Mm -hmm. For example, we know the effects of heavy lifting in construction. There are a lot of regulations and practices in place to ensure that lifting is done safely and to mitigate negative effects of constant and consistent lifting in construction. But when it comes to heavy lifting in care work, which is mm -hmm. very female-dominated, there is significantly less research, significantly less regulations, and significantly less training provided. Um, often, I read, there is no training at all. That's so upsetting. Data shows that, which, like, oh, it's so hard to lift a 60-pound bag of cement over and over and over. Like, yes, yes, it is, but try lifting a, like, 120-pound old lady over and over and over uh like 180 pound i just assume all old people are f frail oh i'm I thinking don't know why this was <laughs> just right made for frail but i guess uh i don't know why i assumed all care was old people yeah because i doesn't have to be no i had friends who did care work i now that you now that you mentioned that without even really saying any words at all um i just i have a way with I just have not words. The same mind. With not words. Um, yeah, I had friends who worked in um, group homes in town, and I remember one of the women was essentially um, immobile mm -hmm. and was fairly large. And my friends talking about having to move her all the time and help her in and out of her bed, and yeah, no training. Data shows that women working as caregivers or cleaners often lift more in a shift than a construction worker or a miner, mm -hmm. as we just explained. These women often end up with serious pain and injuries, including blown backs, or my favorite, blown shoulders. Mm-hmm. Fun. Not fun. Um, we see the same thing in chemical-related field work, another female-dominated field. Um, so this can be, uh, primarily it's like cleaning or like nail salons, mm -hmm. um, things like that. Pretty much all of the studies we have on how work chemicals or particles affect the human body are based solely around male subjects. Mm -hmm. Experts can tell you essentially all of the effects of working in a coal mine, but there is hardly any data, if any, on the effects of chemicals in female-dominated fields, like nail technicians or cleaning. Similarly, much of the data out there on chemical effects on the body, um, data which determines safe versus harmful levels, limits, and safety practices, is based around the effects on that given chemical on the male body. But as we've touched on many times, traditionally, female bodies are smaller than men and would assumably take less exposure to a substance to have a harmful reaction. Mm -hmm. Women's skin is thinner than that of a man. Yep. And almost all research on chemical absorption um, is based on male skin. Hormones can affect 
how chemicals are absorbed. Absolutely. But uh, it's all based around male hormones. Our immune systems are different. You think that might have an effect? No. You're correct. (laughs) It definitely does. Um, Female bodies typically have a higher percentage of fat, which affects how chemicals are stored and how long they last in the body. All of these can affect how chemicals are absorbed and how they are stored and how the body is affected. Yet when you look at the suggested exposure rules commonly used for chemicals, it's based around that of an average 25 to 30-year-old white man. The worst kind of man. (laughs) Specifically ones standing around in a ballpark. Yeah, In a circle. (laughs) She'd be like, um, excuse me, sir. Uh, we need you to test some chemical limits. If you could break up the circle. Is this duck-duck goose game open to... (laughs) To make it worse... Most of these tests are done in isolated, single-exposure testing environments. But that's not an accurate accurate representation of how most women uh, encounter these chemicals. Especially if they're working in a field where they have exposure to these chemicals all day long, Mm -hmm. every day, during work, such as housekeeping or cleaning. Yep. Same thing with nail salons. Many of the chemicals in polishes, gels, adhesives, disinfectants have been linked to cancer miscarriages, lung disease, and may even alter the body's normal hormonal functions. We know this to be true. Yet there has been little to no regulation. You know, for people who are so concerned about the lives of fetuses... Right? You would think. (laughs) You would think we would give a shit about living human beings. Or even, like... Oh, or just the fact that it can... The fact that it can give a miscarriage? Yes, right? Oh, but that's the woman's fault. Oh, she should know. Yeah. She should know better. It's not the fact that we're making her work with harmful chemicals. Right. There's a tiny warning label on the back of the chemical. She just took the time to read it. Yeah. We don't know how much of this will cause you to miscarriage, but it might. Yeah. It may or may not cause you to miscarriage. It's not our problem. GFO. (sighs) Uh, Currently, there are no ventilation or training requirements for nail salons, and there is no legislation around wearing gloves or masks. Uh, so frustrating. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, housekeeping or cleaning services. Um, in the U.S., 70% of house cleaning, household cleaning is done by women. So I think, like, you and I cleaning our own homes. Yeah. Um, and up to 89% of career cleaning of homes and hotels is done by women. Um, but there are currently no federal laws that require companies to list ingredients on their cleaning products. I don't have a choice. I have to be the one to clean my apartment. There's no one else to do it. Just don't do it. It's not It's not good for your health and safety. But I have to. You're an adult. You don't have to. <laughs> um, the other thing that is really sad about these industries is usually these are very common fields for immigrants to work mm-hmm. in and they are very often taken advantage of yep. um and they don't have the option to just quit mm-hmm. because they're often predatory someone is holding on to their visas or will call and deport them even if they're like legal <sighs> legally here in the country they can do something or like they're already being underpaid so they can't save money to go and leave oh, i hate it so they don't have a choice very 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 upsetting um we also have seen a lot of data involving work-related cancer deaths yet there is little research done into female specific cancers like breast cancer which men can get Mm -hmm. breast cancer but it is significantly more common in women um 
So any work-related cancer deaths don't include breast cancer, even if it's caused by work chemicals. Yeah, that makes total sense. Doesn't it? So much sense. The best data is data that leaves out very important data. The, the best data is fresh data. That is, that's <laughs> accurate. That's so true. Uh, breast cancer rates in the industrial world have risen significantly over the past 50 years, but we're not really looking into why. And, to make it worse, the data shows that there is correlation between work, chemicals, and breast cancer. Of course. In the UK, 2,000 women develop shift work-related breast cancer each year. Asbestos-related ovarian cancer is listed among the top cancer risks in UK women, yet these cancers aren't being tracked or counted by the UK's health and safety executive and aren't factored into workplace regulations. I, why? Like, I don't... I do, because then they'd have to make changes. Oh, and that would just be the worst. It really would. This also affects male-dominated fields, to bring it back for a second. I read about a study that investigated the chemicals used in automotive plastics. So in factories where they produce plastic parts for cars, motorcycles, other vehicles, ATVs, four-wheelers. Mm-hmm. Um, the study stated, we could not find any substances that were being used that weren't suspected to be either mammary carcinogens and or endocrine disruptors, a.k.a. every single one of those chemicals is known to cause or increase your risk for breast cancer, especially in women. I hate it. After 10 years of working at a job where you are exposed to mammary carcinogens or EDCs, a woman's risk of developing breast cancer increases by 42%. (sighs) Working at one of these automotive jobs triples that. Oh, my God. And if the woman is under 50, her risk is five times that. Oh, my God. Every year of working in the automotive plastics field is estimated to increase a woman's odds of developing breast cancer by 9%. Holy shit. But are there regulations? No. Nope. The WHO, not the band, the EU... And the Endocrine Society have all issued major reports on the dangers, on these dangers to the health of women, yet very few countries have improved regulations. But if men were developing a cancer that would cause their penis to fall right? off. If they were getting testicle cancer. Yeah. The shit would be changing. Oh, Absolutely. The other really sad but unsurprising thing is that most of the research that has been done on the effects of these chemicals to the female body has been based around the effects to the reproductive system and how it can affect fetal development because women are only as good as their childbearing parts. Yep. Yeah. That's very upsetting. Yeah. And I could have gone into so much more, but we don't have time. Thank you. I need to hug a llama. I know. I could tell you all about how stoves are killing women, but maybe another day. Oh, yay. With that cliffhanger. What can we do? Not much. Stop working. Quit your jobs. (laughs) But also, don't be stay-at-home mothers who clean. No more cleaning. Yeah, no cleaning. No working, no cleaning. Men should do the cleaning. Men should do the cooking. Men should do the cleaning. Exactly. Exactly. They're not getting breast cancer from cleaning. No. No. We are. 
So what can we do? One, quit your jobs and stop cleaning. <laughs> Two, educate. Mm-hmm. Obviously, people just don't know, and it's important. Um, this is probably the most important. Speak up. Advocate for yourselves. Advocate for those of you who... Uh, for those of you? Good God. Um, advocate for yourselves if you are working in... Um, a construction field or if you work in emergency services keep standing up for yourselves and the fact that your ppe isn't fitting properly the more mm-hmm. noise you make the more likely it is that you'll get properly fitting ppe um and then advocate for those who can't as i mentioned it's very unlikely that women working in nail salons or automotive plastics factories or other hazardous workplaces are able to advocate for themselves Oftentimes, these workers are part of the most vulnerable and powerless working class, and making a complaint could literally put their job at risk. Um, There are many places that have at-will hiring, and they can and will fire someone over a complaint, and these workers can't afford to lose that paycheck. Um, And as I mentioned, it's also likely it could put their immigration status at risk, so they will likely not speak up for themselves. Um, They'll just let themselves get sick and die. So, speak up for those who can't. Um, support legislation, always. Yep. If something comes up, tell people you, um, tell your legislators you support it. Um, reach out and ask them to make more regulations and legislations. Set lobbyists on fire. I don't know. Yep. Um, and then support groups that are making a difference. Uh, there are some women, Meredith McQuery. We love you, Meredith. Mm-hmm. Cassandra Kwan. They are working to make better fitting firefighter gear for women. Um, they're taking individual body scans of female firefighters in order to collect an accurate group of measurements to base their sizing on. I don't know how to support them. Find their Venmos. Yeah. Send them money. I don't know. Keep your eyes out. If you see ways to help, do it. I hate this because I don't know what to, I don't know what to do. I think just, like I said two weeks ago, raise awareness. Shout it at your neighbors. Keep the conversation going, because I think this is something that a lot of people are just like, yeah, it's cold in the office. Yes. You know, but that's just the way it is. It doesn't have to be the way it is. So question everything. Yeah. Hack into your office's thermostat system. Genius. There's a guard on ours, a locked like plastic cover across ours so that no one can adjust the temperature. Actually, there was one on ours as well. Mm hmm. Screw that. Yep, Plastic yep. is not impermeable. Get yourself. It's not, it's not fireproof. Get yourself a hammer. <laughs> They're made for men, but you can use it to yeah. bust open the plastic. Yep. Don't bust too hard or you might bust the thermostat. Uh, yeah. Who knows what will happen. Oh, God. <sighs> I just. Women's bodies matter. Mm-hmm. Non-binary bodies matter. Yep. Cis male bodies are not the only ones that matter. Yeah. Nobody cares about your tight pants, Chad. <laughs> Dirk. Put your peen away and make some properly fitting PPE for my tits. Thank you. <laughs> Do you wish those pesky sweatshirt hoods would just go away? Are you sick of feeling choked by uncomfortable necklines and wish there was nothing behind you? Then have we got the solution for you. Crewneck sweatshirts. Have you heard of them? Besides onesies and 2000s velour tracksuits, crewnecks are the number one way to experience the utmost comfort with a casual look that serves. I think we all have a few looks we'd like to serve right about now. Crewneck sweatshirts are comfortable and easy to use. Just throw it over your head, stick one arm through each sleeve, 
and be on your way. Crewneck sweatshirts can be found in many of your favorite stores. Name your favorite store. Seriously, right now, say it out loud. Yeah, they probably have some. They're kind of a big deal. If you can't find a crewneck sweatshirt, you're probably not looking hard enough. Seriously, go online, go to Target or Goodwill, steal one from your sister or the kid down the street. I don't care. Look, we promise it's worth it. Just get yourself some crewneck sweatshirts. I love crewneck sweatshirts. I'm thankful I don't have to wear a bra each time I leave the house. Ugh, me too. I currently own four crewneck sweatshirts. Oh, who am I kidding? I own like 20 because they are the absolute best. Side effects may include a newfound obsession, unprecedented comfort, and waking up in the morning without the usual crippling discomfort of hoodie-induced neck pain. Alrighty! You ready for a bad bitch? Yes, please. Good. Because I got a great one for it's you. It's a llama! It is... The Dalai Lama! The <laughs> La Meryl Streep. Sheep. La Meryl Sheep. There it is. La Kalama Harris. There it is. We've already done her, though. Okay. No more puns. Just kidding. The day I do no more puns is the day <laughs> that I don't know. The world actually ends. Okay. Enough puns. Let's talk about Jeanette Rankin who is one of the most incredible women in politics. Yay. So, Jeanette Rankin was born June 11th, 1880, in a ranch outside of Missoula, Montana. Uh, she was one of seven children. Her father was a rancher. Her mother was a schoolteacher. Um, she was kind of expected to take most of her time and her energy and devote it to taking care of her siblings, you know, as all good girls do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and she did for a little bit, but she also ended up earning a degree in biology. From the University of Montana. Now, I know what you're thinking. Oh, cool. She's going to be a biologist and a politician. That's exactly what I thought. Right? Not quite. Um, so the expectation, I did not know this. The expectation wasn't that she would use her biology degree to become a biologist. If you were a woman at the time, you were considered a better wife and mother if you had any kind of education. Why? Doesn't, doesn't matter what kind it was. Just as far as society was concerned... It wasn't for her benefit. They it was for wanted, the benefit of... They just wanted her money. Oh, it's just for the benefit of her husband. Yeah. Blech. And her kids. Stop going to college, women. You heard it here. Save some money. I mean, yeah. Save a lot of money. <gasps> but thankfully, Jeanette was not about that. And she's like, nah, marriage and babies aren't for me. So she ended up working for a bit as a teacher and a seamstress before moving to New York City to do graduate work as a social worker. Oh, so she's in New York, and she is seeing firsthand the terrible living conditions of the poor families in the city. I can't imagine. And she realized that in order for people to give a shit about things like this, women need to be able to vote and be involved in politics. Yes. Which, duh. Right. Genius. Uh, so she became... Also, like, maybe men could give a shit. Right. Have a heart. There's no room for their heart in their pants with oh. their giant dicks. That's that makes it's true. Their uh, PPE vests were too tight. Ah, uh, ah, uh, got it. Makes sense. Got it. Not a lot of blood flow to the heart. Yeah. All of the blood flows to the peen. Yeah, yeah. So she became super involved in the women's suffrage movement in New York. 
Um, she was a field secretary for the National American Women's Suffrage Association. Um, she traveled across the country campaigning, marching, talking with politicians. She was a really eloquent speaker. Mm. And she gave a lot of speeches, whether it was like at an actual event or just on a street corner. Ugh. Like she felt compelled to talk. She talked. That's my dream. I wish right? I could just start spouting words on the street corner and people would listen to me and not just think I was crazy. I mean, we spout words every week in this bedroom into That's microphones. This virtual street corner. It is. Oh, look at that. It's our, our own little private street corner. <laughs> Makes it sound like we're sex workers. We're not. Oh, it might be. We're... Tune back in in a couple weeks <laughs> to see where we land on that. Um, But I she was like I said, super eloquent speaker. Um, in one of her speeches, she said, is it not possible that the women of this country have something of value to give to the nation? It is time for our old political doctrines to give way to new visions. When I run for office someday, I'm just going to rip all her speeches. Perfect. Perfect. Still checks out. Yes. <sighs> and they did. Yay. Washington State gave women the right to vote in 1911 as part of her campaign. Ugh. And then three years later, in 1914, after moving back to Montana, she was given the right to vote and run for office. Yes. Not at all surprising. She was bit pretty hard by the politics bug. And she's like, I want to do more. This wasn't enough. So with the help of her brother, who had a few political ins, and the help of women being able to vote, she ran for Congress. It was a super close election. But she won. Yay. She was now the first and only woman to serve in the United States House of Representatives, which bonkers. That sounds horrifying. Right? One of like 300, what is it, 345 people? I don't remember. I don't remember either. It said it in the, the documentary thingy I watched, but I don't Oof. remember. Um, Which, bananas, I mean, when you think about the fact that women across the country, most women still didn't have the yeah. right to vote. And here she is sitting in Congress. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, and that was one of the big things that she wanted to fix. Good. So, first day in Congress, right? She took her picture with the letter boards, like, first day of Congress with her backpack outside of her house. Right, just kidding. Right. No, she didn't. Um, first day. She had to cast a vote on whether or not the United States enters into World War One. <laughs> she made a statement. Yes. Literally. So you're only supposed to say yay or nay, right? They go around the room. You stand up. You say yay. You say nay. You sit back down. Right. No, no. Not Jeanette. Not only did she oppose the war, she gave a very solid reason behind it. She was like, nope. And this is why. And it was amazing. It wasn't a super long speech or anything, but definitely more than anyone else had given, especially day one yeah. of being the only female in Congress. And she's like, no, no, I'm not about this yay or nay shit. Right. I'm going to give you a reason why. Um, Obviously, that didn't quite go the way she wanted it to. The war resolution passed uh, 374 to, fi uh, to 50. <laughs> to one? No. No, no, no. No, no, no. 250. Um, but that did not stop her from looking out for women, both within the war efforts. She wanted to make sure that the women that were affected by the war had everything taken care of. Their rights were, you know... Yeah. Solid. Um, and then just women in general. Even though she was a very strong advocate on the anti-war legislation, her number one focus was for allowing women the right to vote. Um, in 1917, she's like, guys, we need to get an actual committee 
developed about this. Yeah. Uh, And she was appointed the leader of the Committee on Women's Suffrage, and she started developing what will later become the 19th Amendment. Okay. One of her most famous quotes is from 1918. She was addressing the House floor after the Committee of Women's Suffrage had issued a report for an amendment allowing women the right to vote. And she said, How shall we address the challenge, gentlemen? How shall we explain to them the meaning of democracy if the same Congress that voted in favor of war to make the world safe for democracy refuses to give the small measure of democracy to the women of our country? Right? Yep. And I'm up there watching. Yeah. Slow clapping from the balcony. Yeah, Jeanette. Yes, queen. <laughs> um, so that resolution, it barely passed in the House, but it died in the Senate, which unfortunate. Um, but she didn't let that discourage her. She kept fighting. And it's a really good thing that she didn't. The 19th Amendment was passed in 1920, the year after her term ended. She did that. She did it. Um, so her two-year term ended in 1919, um, and she focused a lot of her energy on anti-war efforts and social warfare. Um, she served as a delegate to the women's, a delegate, a delegate to the Women's International Conference for Peace in Switzerland. Um, she ended up buying this farm in Georgia that was like literally bare bones, no electricity, no running water. Mm-hmm. And that is where she founded the pacifist organization, the Georgia Peach. I knew I was going to say this. The Georgia Peace Society. I mean, that was a bad name on their part. It really was. I want to say Peach. I know. Did she have llamas? Jeanette, we have a proposition for you. Have you heard of Llama Stay? It's a place. (laughs) Llama yoga sounds like it would fit her peace initiative perfectly. It really does. We'll talk. I found my calling. We'll talk tonight. Um, from 1929 to 1939, she was a lobbyist and a speaker for the National Council for the Prevention of War, and later became an active member of the Women's International League for Peace and Freedom, which I then saw later, W-I-L-P-F, and every time I was like, Wilp! Yeah. That was the name of her llama. Wilp! Wilma, <laughs> Wilma and Wilp! <laughs> It sounds like something you let your child name. Your right. Uh, to the friend who I gave uh, birthing rights to my firstborn. Don't don't think about that. That's a veto-free name from uh, this. Oh, this no, 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 no. If I get to carry that child in my oh, womb. Oh, that's fair. We're naming it Wilt. Oh, no. <laughs> Quick, someone marry me. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I'm not normally this desperate, but I really don't want my first child to be named Wilf. Please and thank you. Reach out at USAB Podcast. Did you? <laughs> uh, in 1941, at the age of 60, Whoa. Jeanette campaigned to run for Congress again yes. for the state of Montana. This was in the throes of World War II. And not at all shocking, she ran on an anti-war campaign. What? Right? And she won again. Yes. This time, she was one of ten women in Congress. Uh, how many years have passed? Uh, since she was in it before? Yeah. Uh, about tw- 20. Okay. Yes, about 20. Once again, she was asked to vote on whether or not the U.S. should enter the war. 
Once again, she voted no. What? This time, however, Uh she was the only one in Congress to vote against entering the war. I mean, to be fair, Nazis? Yeah. But still... The only, when you said before, you're like, oh, I thought it was going to be one. I was like, just wait, just wait. (laughs) It's coming. So she holds the title of being the only member of Congress to vote against entering both World War I and World War II. That's insane. What are the fucking odds? One. Yeah. Bananas. Uh, This time, however, people were Pissed. That she voted no. That she voted no. Yeah. I mean, I get it, because Nazis. Yes. <sighs> but so much so, after she cast her vote, people got so riled up and came after her no. that she had to seek shelter in a phone booth. <laughs> she had to, like, run outside, get in a phone booth. Then she had to call the congressional office and be like, uh, hey, She's like, could you send in a, some security down in her pocket here? for loose change? <laughs> She's like, uh, I'm stuck in a phone booth. Can you send someone down here? It's like from the Emperor's New Groove. I've been turned into a llama. Llama? No, it wasn't a llama. I've been turned into a cow. Can I go home? (laughs) Yes, you're dismissed. Anyone else? I cannot imagine being trapped in a phone booth. That sounds horrifying. It's like, you can not see people. It's like, now I know what the thermostat feels like. Yeah, and you know what? The thermostat wanted to be lower, I'm sure. I, the thermostat doesn't like the temperature it's set at. No. Why would it? How does it feel like 69? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody likes to 69, okay? That's true. We always make jokes, but it's not that great. It's really not that great. At least for, like, heterosexual relationships. I can't That's speak for true. any other relationships, That's true. but it's not that great. No focus too much on what i'm doing yeah enjoy what it yeah hi mom i was just gonna say (laughs) sorry dad (laughs) um so jeanette retired from politics in 1943 she served after two years Mm -hmm. and then retired um but then i like her strategy of serve two years take a while off yeah two more years another war's coming up i should probably hop back in here and see if they need me retired yeah uh, but she stayed very active, obviously, in the peace movement. Um, in 1968, at the age of 87, she led 5,000 women in a protest against the Vietnam War in what was called the Jeanette Ranking Brigade in Washington, D.C. Stop it. I will not. She didn't run for Congress again at 87. <laughs> Stop it! It was rumored that she was actually considering a third run for a House seat in 1973 to protest the Vietnam War. But she passed away on May 18th no. in 1973 at the age of 89 in California. I was just going to say, if I make it to 90, I'll run for Congress. I mean, yeah. I may or may not run before then. But if I make it for 90, we're doing it. Yeah. So she almost put in a third because another war comes up. You got to hop in there. That's insane. Yeah. In the best way possible. Yeah. She was relentless and amazing um there is a statue in the national statutory hall of her uh that was placed there in 1985 
she's the best. And she's just, I mean, look at her. Stop. Oh, (laughs) she's so happy. She reminds me of my grandma. Oh, that's so heartwarming. I know. I know. She's the best. I love it. And obviously, as with many of our bad bitches, I mean, she has scholarships and foundations and the Rankin Ranch um, is now added to the National Register of Historic Places. Stop. I know. I know. Um, There is a... The, so the Jeanette Rankin Women's Scholarship Fund yeah. awards annual educational scholarships to low-income women 35 and older across the United States. Um, it started with a $500 scholarship in 1978, just one, and has awarded more than $1.8 million in scholarships to more than 700 women. Wow. Just mm. bananas. Mm. It's... She's amazing. Um... I want, this is a, a quote that I found in an article about her. It says, although her legacy rests almost entirely on her pacifism, Rankin told the Montana Constitutional Convention in 1972 that she would have preferred otherwise. Quote, if I am remembered for no other act, I want to be remembered as the only woman who ever voted to give women the right to vote. That's amazing. And I love her. Also, how sad is it that one of the, like, main reasons people remember her is... For voting no on both World Wars. I know. She did so much more. (sighs) She's the best. I love it. Women in politics are amazing. What is my computer? Stop trying to convince me to leave my job. What is my computer screen doing? You know, it didn't get to do yoga with llamas (laughs) today. And it shows. It really shows. I don't know what's happening. (laughs) I don't get it. So, women... Remember to vote. Remember to yeah. speak up for what's right. And run for office. Be that one person. Unless it's voting for Nazis. That is true. Never vote for Nazis. No. But always dissent. Yes. Speaking of dissent. <gasps> nice segue. Wait, wait, wait. RBG quote of the week. This week, RBG says... The notion was that law was, yes, a way to earn a living, but also to do things that would make life a little better for your community. Like allowing women the right to vote. Yes. (laughs) And I don't know, changing the rules and the regulations so women stop getting cancer in the workplace. It's really not that much to ask. Spitball in here. Yeah. uh, Yeah. (sighs) You know where you don't get cancer. <laughs> no, I really Our don't. Social media platforms. <laughs> Maybe. Well, two of our three social media platforms, our Twitter platform might give you cancer. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You say bitch like it's a bad thing. You say B. No. What is our... <laughs> I say this every week. I've never messed this up. UCP podcast. <laughs> Across all platforms. It's fine. We're becoming unhinged. The, the llamas are wearing off. They really are. Uh, you can also hit up our website, though we don't suggest it right now. Uh, um If you have questions, concerns, topics, complaints, 
bad bitches whatever ucb podcast at gmail.com hit us up yeah uh also hit us up on our streaming platforms apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher iHeartRadio, all those good places leave us a review leave us a rating we would love to hear from you and when you're jamming out in about 30 seconds to the greatest closing and intro song of all time you can thank glove compartment thank you glove compartment they wrote that song it's called bitch 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 it's by glove compartment i edited it the end Speaking of the end of this podcast, it is the okay. End. Okay, Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> We've He's been out in of... the sun for too long today. He's kind of like a llama. I'm surprised that we. He's he got the ears, the banana ears, the banana ears. You're surprised what? That we've made it this long without completely coming unhinged. Uh, I mean, same guys. Thanks for sticking around to see how long it takes us to get unhinged. Thank you for listening to this episode. Thank you for being mad with us, hopefully, about the shitty conditions that women put up with because the workforce is made for men. If you didn't like this topic, or us, you can call us bitches if you want. But bitches get shit done. Lamaste.